0: Pray with me. Father, be with us today. Guide and guard us in all our ways. Turn our eyes towards you. Turn our hearts towards you. Turn our thoughts towards you today. Teach us what it means to live in reverence towards you. With an open heart, open mind to know you're here and that we can know you. I pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey guys, Construction Monk here. We are in the middle of a long-term series entitled Calling All Mystics Notes from the Road and we are in a section called communion. (laughs) We're talking about the reality of a present God that can be known and the journey to get there. I think the biggest aspect in that pursuit is a posture of expectation. Do you believe God can be known? And can you hold the tension of that belief over a long period of time? That's been my journey. I was given the expectation from scripture and from others that I could know God, that God was here. And then I maintained that belief over a long period of time. I started out talking to God and not hearing God. And that was my stance for a long time before I started to perceive God with me, God speaking to me. So that's my encouragement to you is is form that expectation. It takes time. And then wait. Don't give up. It can happen. Today we are in note 37 and note 37 is the second part of a conversation about word God as living word, and today's note is Logos. Let's get into it. Let's start with a couple quotes, and then we're going to get into John chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8, and an explanation from PBS about the Greek word Logos. (laughs) Okay, let me jump over to my notes. This is fun. So this first quote is from my friend Carol Kate. We got together for breakfast last Saturday morning and uh, he just said this and I was like, wow, I gotta write this down. This is the quote. There's nothing like two people separated by a common language. (laughs) My friend Carol's, he's witty, he's smart and he's perceptive. There's nothing like two people separated by common language, man. Guys, how many times are you in conversations with someone and they just don't get what you're saying and yet you're using the same words? This is so true. What are we talking about? Written word versus spoken word. God revealing truth to us through people in the past that heard him. But the necessity of God confirming that truth to us in a way that's real and present, right? Because if we're just reading words in a book, even our understanding of language, right, then it's our understanding and our interpretation, and we can take it a thousand different ways, but when God comes in and and really speaks through Scripture or through a song or through nature to us, and we really have this conviction and this sense of what God means and what we're supposed to take from something, that's a deeper understanding beyond words. And so... We can be using the same language, but not meaning the same things. And so language itself is not enough. There's something deeper than language. And here's a quote from me. When you understand something beyond words, you understand it deeply. Okay, this is what we're talking about. There is this understanding we have that is deeper than words. And what are words? They're symbols. They're representations. Right? It's good to have a common language. But what does it mean to truly understand something? This is a quote from Helen Keller about God. I always knew he was there, but I didn't know his name. Whoa. I like that. I I referenced uh, the song Holy by Justin Bieber, and Chance the rapper. I like that. <laughs> they always sing his praises. His name is catchy, but they don't know you like I know you. Right? <laughs> it's like, what is God's name? What does it mean to know God? You know, in scripture, the phrase in the name of means in the character of. It's like, what is a name? It represents a person. And what is a person? They're not their name they are a collection of so many things to know a person is not the same as to know their name helen Keller's like i i've always known god i just didn't know his name and so some but the opposite is often true sometimes people know his name but they don't really know him okay that's what we're talking about this is what we're talking about logos it's interesting because this is an idea That precedes Christianity. You know, 1 John, we won't get into that quite yet. But 1 John starts out with this word, Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not grasp it. Remember, in his light we see light. Light represents understanding and piercing through things. And seeing to the depth of things. Right? In the beginning was the word. Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. The word became flesh. This is the Christian idea of logos. But as I said. Logos is a Greek word that precedes Christianity. It's thought that the philosopher Hercules was the first one to use the word Logos, referring to a rational divine intelligence, okay? This idea of this higher mind, right? Higher consciousness. And so, you know the The idea of Logos also is interwoven into Stoicism, right? And Stoicism is kind of having a little bit of a revival. But I like Stoicism. I've read a little bit on the philosophy of Stoicism. Um, there's some really famous philosophers that were Stoics, like Aristotle, right? The Stoicism and Greek philosophy had this idea of the divine mind, the divine principle. The, this is where we also get the idea of arch, archetypes, right? There is this higher being will from which the universe has manifest, has, has manifested, right? And so, you know, from Greek culture let, came Roman culture, and the New Testament, the New Testament writers were Jews, but they were living in Roman-occupied Jerusalem. And so they were influenced by Greek and Roman culture. In fact, you know, most of the New Testament is written in Greek, and Greek was a very common language at that time, even though, you know, Romans spoke Latin. And so a Greek philosophy is like really interwoven into Christianity because that's Christianity was birthed out of, in part, Greek culture. And so Logos was an idea already around from Greek culture that the New Testament writers, especially John, picks up, right? And so when John uses the word Logos, it's this idea of the word becoming flesh, right? There's this divine essence, mind, and, you know, Genesis tells us that God spoke creation into being, so there is this spokenness, that there, God expressed from his spirit something, and it actually brought forth created reality. So there, there's this idea again, right? We're spirit, soul, body. There's this idea that all life comes from the spirit. The spirit is the essence of life, right? The supernatural is natural, and the natural is supernatural. There's this interweaving of these two realities, spiritual, physical. But this, the supernatural precedes and supersedes the natural, right? Meaning... God spoke words in some way and created reality came from this. And so there is this reality behind physical reality that is spiritual, right? And the word becoming flesh is this idea of, like, God manifesting into the world. And, of course, the world was manifested from God. And then Jesus is like the embodiment of God in the flesh, the ideal, the the picture, the perfect picture, as Hebrews says, of who God is and what God desires us to be. This is Logos. Right? And this is from this is a glossary definition of Logos from PBS.org. And I thought that was really that's awesome, dude. That's like, thanks, PBS. I love it. You guys doing some good stuff. Anyway, this is what I'm quoting here from that, this article, this definition by PBS of Logos. Christianity points to the possibility of union between the human and the divine or the personal and the absolute. This word Logos, which the Christ represents, acts as a bridge between the human's inner spiritual needs and the answer proclaimed by the Christian message, right? Right? Logos points to the possibility of union between the human and the divine, the personal and the absolute. God can be known. This is what contemplation calls mystical union. There is this mystery, how can I know God? It's like, oh man, as Isaiah says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways above my ways. As Paul writes in first Corinthians who has known the mind of God as so as to teach them but we have the mind of Christ Logos like how can we possibly understand the mind of God and yet somehow Christ has come and given us his mind put his mind within us God dwells within us there is this possibility for Union why because we're a spirit and God's Spirit actually dwells within us we're a temple right the Holy and the Holy of Holies there is not only this possibility, but this reality of coming back into the union we were created for, meant to have, which is actually a reality in us only though separated by a veil. We've talked about all this, right? It's beautiful, this idea, this possibility, which can become a reality. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not God outside somewhere and somehow I'm reaching towards this ethereal, distant God. It's God in everything. This is panentheism. God's life inhabits all things. That's how all things live. In him we live and move and have our being and that's acts, right? And it's actually the reality So it's not that I'm trying to get God to come back to me. It's that God is already in me and there's just this separation, right? Sin is separation. (laughs) And so there's a great hope and a great faith that we can have in this pursuit of God that God is already with us, in us. And that we're simply trying to go through the process of uncovering the wounds and the brokenness that has caused a kind of separation. But it's not... Practically literal. God didn't actually leave us. If God were to leave us, we'd be annihilated because God is the life in all things. And so I can interact with God as I interact with everything, right? This is Brother Lawrence. This is the practice of the presence of God. This is, it's like there is so much hope and promise through the message of Christ and the gospel of a real relationship with God that brings us back to life, that conquers death completely. We're going to start with Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 7, Paul has laid out this contention and tension of this thing he calls the mindset on the flesh or the sin nature. And there's this hostility as we get to in Romans 8 as well. But... There's this tension inside us. It's all inside. And Paul talks about the body of death and who shall save me from this body of death. Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus (laughs) who reconciles us to God, right? So there's this tension. And starting with verse 13. So brothers and sisters, we are not under obligation. We are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, You are going to die, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. I'm setting up this passage, this verse in Romans chapter 8, about the Spirit speaking through wordless groans or groanings beyond words verse 15 for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out Abba Father the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God I think this is so important how do you know God's with you you can have some intellectual truths you can have the testimonies from the past right Jesus John chapter 5 like there's the testimonies but he's like but they are meant to point you to me I am the word i have the words of life right he's like if you come to me i overcome death and here we have verse 16 the spirit himself testifies there's a testimony like there's the testimony that's scripture of the past of what people have experienced with god in the past but john Or sorry, Paul in Romans is writing that the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. There's this testimony between God and us, this speaking, this word, logos, spoken directly to us, spirit to spirit. Okay. Paul's setting all this up, and I'm trying to give the background to this passage. Verse 23. And not only that, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons and daughters, for the redemption of our body. Okay, so our body, physical body, is dying, but our whole self has death in it. Spirit, soul, and body, right? Death in the spirit is separation, the veil. Death in the soul is this programming that has ingrained habits of death in us. <coughs> Death in the body is obvious. You're getting older. Your body is breaking down. It's not healing as fast as it used to. But, so we're groaning within ourselves. Spirit. But we have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, even as we groan, waiting for our adoption as sons and daughters. For the redemption of our whole self, right? For in hope, we have been saved. Okay? So, there's just all this going on inside us. We have this this first fruit. We have this beginning union through the Spirit. Right, The veil is is in the process of being dismantled. And even we ourselves groan within ourselves. There's this groaning. There's this felt sense of things. There's this tension. Now that we have the Spirit, everything is not resolved. In fact, when we receive the Spirit... The groaning, I think, can intensify. And that's been my experience. I've been on a 40 year journey. That journey can be described as a groaning process that has become more and more and more intense to the point of finally having the veil removed completely. And that's, man, that's the miracle of the journey I've been on that I've come to that place. But this is the journey every Christian is on. We've received the Spirit and now we are groaning in this process as we move further and further out of death and into life. We groan because we feel the tension and the Spirit brings up these dark night of the soul experiences and points to the dysfunction in us and it is a inner groaning. And then the verse that is the key verse from this Romans 8 passage that I want to highlight, which is verse 26. Now, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He who searches the heart, that Spirit, knows what the mind or the thoughts of the Spirit are. What does it mean to have a groaning deeper than words? What does it mean to have a truth and understanding deeper than words? I can tell you guys my experiences the last eight years of the Spirit doing this deep inner work. It's hard to put it into words. I can hardly put it into words. It is unexplainable. It's something that I have experienced. It's been this deep groaning. But it's been what? It's been this union and this experience of the Spirit of God in me, doing work in me. So there's been this communion between God and myself. Even when it feels good, it's deeper than words. It's beyond words. It's it's an understanding, a truth so deep, words cannot touch it. Logos, the Word manifested into a physical state. Christ, Jesus And he lived a life. He did not write down truths for us to know. He lived. He acted. He breathed. He moved. The word became flesh. Logos manifested into the created physical universe. And Jesus talked, walked, moved, healed, hugged, loved. This is the gospel. Jesus himself living life. And then Some of the disciples, the apostles, wrote this down in two words. But it is the word which is deeper than symbolic language. And so to know God, to know the truth of God, it must go deeper than symbolic language. This is logos, this is word, this is the Holy Spirit in us, speaking to us to us truths too deep for words, groanings, a felt sense, an emotive, an intuitive, an empathic understanding that words cannot touch. Bam! Oh man! Do you, I mean it's, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? There's such a depth to the truth of God that just grounds us in our spirit where we have this deep conviction and deep intuitive sense of God with us. And an intellectual understanding of language, of symbolic language, is not the same thing as a deeper, wordless, intuitive, felt sense of God. Let's go to John. John chapter 1. I read I read it already, but let's read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Ooh, there's something. We're living in darkness. This light is shown into the darkness. The darkness can't comprehend the light, right? This is pretty interesting. Logos, through Logos, this word deeper than spoken words, all things came into being through him. It says, apart from him, not even one thing came into being. So, this is the power. The creative power of God. This is, I mean, this is power, guys. This is something that is so powerful. Logos, God, the divine mind, the higher mind, this higher consciousness can express something and literal material created universe can come into being. And that's something beyond a spoken word. That's a deeper power i mean that's a that's powerful guys god that can speak and things come into being right verse 6 a man came once sent from god and his name was john that's john the baptist he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him he was not the light but he came to testify about the light this was the true light That coming into the world enlightens every person. Okay, so God is light, and God needs to, with his light, shine into our hearts to enlighten the darkness within us, to give us understanding. This is why we have the Spirit, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. Okay, so interesting. We don't know God. There's a veil, there's a separation. When we, we, when we receive Christ and through Christ the Holy Spirit, we receive the right to become children of God. Well, weren't we created by God? Yes, but there's a separation now. And so we have lost the state of being a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? Romans chapter 8 says, the Spirit says to our spirits that we are the children of God. So how did we lose the state of being truly a child of God? We were separated. Now there's a veil. How do we regain it? Through Christ, the veil is torn. And the Spirit begins to speak to our spirit and we begin to know God spirit to spirit. This is what Romans 8 says, which gives insight into First John. We have the right to become children of God through Jesus, through the will of God. Remember, central to The power of spirit is will. And I talked to you about feeling that in my sternum. We need to come back under the will of God in union with the Holy Spirit where now we are participating with the will of God and subservient to the will of God because that is our proper true state. We were created to be under the dominion of a higher spirit and a higher mind. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw His glory glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Amen. The Word became flesh. The Logos manifested into the created world Jesus Christ to show us God. To give us a clear, true, perfect picture of God. And what did Jesus teach and how did Jesus live? We read that last time in John 5 and in Psalm 119. The Word became flesh. Jesus lived a life. The Word became flesh. Flesh, the logos manifested into the world not to give some good cliche quaint quotes. You don't find Jesus on good good reads. <laughs> Jesus quotes. actually you might. <laughs> There's some good Jesus quotes. Um, but Jesus himself did not come to write anything down. He is the spoken word, the manifested image of God, as Hebrews says. So Jesus came to give us a picture of God, and he didn't write. He lived. Because there is something deeper than spoken word. There is the living word. There is the manifestation of God in the world. This image of God, Jesus. The word became flesh. The word took on physical being. A physical shell. Right? spirit inhabited a soul and a body God as Jesus and Jesus wanted to show us what it looks like to live in perfect communion with God this is a truth deeper than words so Jesus didn't come live his life and then leave a book and go back to the father he came lived his life went to the father and sent the spirit because he wanted us to have the same indwelling of God as he did. He had a perfect union with the Father through the Spirit. This is why, before he began his ministry, he was baptized by John, and the Spirit came and, in the form of a dove, right, came upon him. He received the Spirit to show the way. I don't think he didn't have the Holy Spirit perfectly before that, but this was a, this was a example. This was... An illustration from Jesus of what we are meant to have so that we would receive the Spirit we would receive God through the Spirit in us and of course we already have the spirit but there's a veil so first grace second grace grace third grace second grace is new grace second grace is being sealed in the Spirit and now the Spirit has come in to do this deeper work of helping us become children of God right this is the promise That we, through Christ, would receive the right to become children of God. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, now you are in the process of becoming a child of God. And what does that mean? It means you need to become more and more sensitive to the Spirit. And God's ability to speak to you through the Spirit. And this is the journey I've been on. I've been becoming more sensitive to the Spirit. But the first thing the Spirit will do in this process is develop that sensitivity and that feels like revealing the hell you're in to get you the hell out of it. That's what it means for the word of God to be spoken into you through the spirit. Now coming into you and, and creating more and more space within you for God to inhabit and dwell so that you can start to come alive because it is through the spirit the power of God in you, that your life exists. This is the word. This is Logos. It is the presence of God in you. It is the reality that beyond some philosophical understandings in your mind, there is this deeper truth, a deeper word, Christ in you, the Spirit in you, increasing your sensitivity restoring your spirit in union with the spirit of god amen there's a lot more to talk about <laughs> i could i wanted to keep going but i am going to keep going next time we are going to continue talking about communion right what does it really look like to not only have the presence of God, but to be in the process of becoming the children of God, right? Once you enter the process, inception, you're beginning a journey of coming back to God, and you need to be growing in communion with God, which means you're developing a relationship with God, and central to relationship is communication. Central to communion is communication. We need to be able to talk with God And God needs to be able to talk with us. That's the essence of communion. So, how does God speak? And that's what we're going to continue talking about. Of course, God has spoken in the past. And that is good, and that is a good place to start. I like to say that the Bible is a picture book. pictures of God and what God is like so we can learn to see God for ourselves that's the purpose of of scripture it is to train us as it says in 1st Timothy as Paul writes that it is profitable that scripture is all all scripture is God breathed and profitable for training us in righteousness for teaching for instruction it's a it's meant to train us to know God for ourselves to see God for ourselves, to hear God for ourselves. amen. this has been a construction monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Stewart. You can catch more content at www.moderncontemplative.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Think about these things and start to practice. start to talk to God and make space to hear God. <clears throat> Ask God questions. <clears throat> look for God to answer. Amen.